NHL teammates for 13 seasons. Now back together as on-air teammates. You are listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Hockey, life, and other stuff. Here are your hosts, Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. Welcome to episode three of the soon-to-be award-winning podcast, Cass and Juice. I'm your host, Kevin Bieksa. With me, as usual, is 2003 Ohio State fourth team all-star right winger, Ryan Kessler. Kess, hello. I just check your facts, eh? First team. Yeah, just ask you, right? Yeah, uh, I'm good, though. Thanks for uh, asking. How are you doing? Good, good. We both coached this past weekend in the NHL Youth Cup tournaments. I was in Detroit. Where were you? I was in Philadelphia, uh, ran the Rocky Steps and, and won a cup. Yeah, I already knew that answer, but I had to ask. But I was in Detroit, where you're from. We just kind of missed each other. Yeah, we, but we both We both won championships, so figure it out for future coaching jobs, right, when another one opens up. Obviously. Imagine what we could do if we got together and coached. Coaching's so easy, though. You just got to understand the game, which we both really do. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, I, you know, I feel confident. And I think that's the problem. Coaches don't really see it the way we do. But and we're, we'll talk we're about both we're both master communicators, clearly. So <laughs> we'll talk more about this in the episode coming up. Uh, let's talk about what we're going to kind of get into here. So Taylor Hall got traded. Everybody knows that. We're not going to beat that into the ground too much. But welcoming like a new guy into the dressing room, we've had a lot in the years. More, yeah, we both got like, traded. So, yeah, we both, but not mid-season. But no, not mid-season. But we've mid-season. had guys come in mid-season. Well, we'll kind of get into that. Like I had down, like Cassian came, Smolensky, Sundin, Higgins, Lapierre, Lapierre. I can't, I can't say his name. Lapierre, Lapierre. Maxime, Lapierre. Maxime. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of a combination of guys that were effective, not effective. And we'll talk about that. Uh, we had a lot, a lot of more guys come in mid-season in Anaheim than Vancouver. I know, but I couldn't think of some of them. Maybe you can throw some names into my head. Yeah, I'll think about, it. think yeah. about it. We'll talk about our injuries a little bit more because the fans don't quite understand what happens when you get hurt. All they see is on the ticker: six to eight weeks, uh, four to six weeks, two months, and they don't know what that means or what actually happens and what the process mm-hmm. is. So you've had. Your hip injuries, I've had every injury out there, so we can maybe give them a little bit of an explanation, a day in the life kind of thing. I think that Yeah, for fun. sure. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, and, yeah, it's not public knowledge. And in rare news, a head coach actually got fired for <laughs> hockey performance, not for extracurricular activities. So we'll talk about uh, DeBoer getting fired this week. And like I said, it's because basically they just haven't met expectations this year and they've had a good run yeah they have an old team but a veteran team and and you know they they had a good run for a bit there and now i feel like they've kind of slid off a bit they've gone stale yeah right mm-hmm. it, ha- it happens though it happened with us and core, Van. core groups together for too long um uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about the holidays again because we're both big christmas guys and this is kind of your first christmas and actually mine, because I played in the Spangler Cup last year, so I was gone the first week of December. So I didn't really spend Christmas at home for the holidays with the kids and all the activities and the Christmas concerts and all that stuff. 
stuff we've been able to, to be fortunate to do this year. So yeah, straight chaos for two weeks before Christmas. Never really get to uh, <laughs> live it. Usually, it's I come awesome. home with presents or wraps, so it's good. So you've been actually shopping. I shopped yesterday for my entire family. Yeah, now we got to wrap them. Who's gonna do that, nanny? <sighs> <laughs> Which nanny's gonna do that? <laughs> Robin, Robin is a uh, you know a lifesaver, and she probably will wrap them. Yes, um, I, I'm pretty busy nowadays, though. <laughs> or you'll drop them off. You'll drop them off in Labonia, your mom's house, and she'll have to wrap them for you. I'll, Mom, you I'll, think you can wrap these for me? <laughs> Don't look at the one; it's for you. No, we were at Nordstrom yesterday, and I was like. Somerset? They do, free, they, they do free wrapping here. Like, why don't we just buy everybody's gifts here? It's free wrapping. Let's just go and buy them and they'll wrap it for us. We'll come back a couple hours later, go have a coffee, and then boom, all the wrapping's done. She didn't like that idea. Um, and then joining us is a special guest, Montreal Canadiens defenseman who's just crushing minutes on ice time this year, Ben Sherratt. And Ben is a, he's my, let's call spade of spade. He's my guest. He's kind of my little protege. I've, I've skated and trained him for over a decade now. Awesome guy from Hamilton. You played against him, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Played against him, uh, said, said high in passing, but no, don't know him. Get, looking forward to talking to him. But he's your typical Hamilton defenseman. Like big, strong, tough, good shape. Good and drink a lot. Hot wife. <laughs> Specimen. So, so this will be a good show for us you ready yeah i'm ready let's do this so Kess, uh weekend let's talk about the weekend we both had minor hockey tournaments you coach i coach talk about yours you're in philly i think right yeah we're in philly we had a uh, nhl youth cup for the 2010s and uh we're a tournament but uh rikers team ended up uh winning the whole thing um a couple inches incidences during the weekend but uh we we got through it with a trophy i heard uh i heard you guys did good in detroit too we missed each other shocker yeah i know we we come to detroit where you live and you're gone but yes ours i didn't realize yours was the nhl youth cup so was ours it's it's a pretty cool concept uh brian smolinski who we both played with was there from the nhl representing kind of organizing everything so what it is for the fans is it's like basically the NHL junior club. So like we have the junior blue jackets, junior red wings, junior Islanders, blue sabers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are coached by ex players who have kids on the team. And I don't know if you saw the same in Philly, but we had like Palmonville and Matty Ellis coach the sabers. Uh, Adrian O'Coin coached Chicago mission. Gianta was there at Horkoff. So really, really cool tournament with high quality coaching, but the refereeing, Super disappointed in the refereeing in, in Michigan. <laughs> and you can maybe educate me on this because I've been this year for tournaments in Toronto. I've been Vancouver, LA, obviously in Anaheim. I was super disappointed with the referee quality in, in Michigan. So you have to deal with that on a, probably a daily basis. Yeah, you know, I, th I think go back to the coaches and, and the average weight for coaches in, in the 2010 division was probably 310 pounds. So um, I don't think we have any ex <laughs> <units>. there. <laughs> you, just a bunch uh, of units. But refereeing, you know, they have a tough job to do, but still like what I tell them is they got to keep it safe and they got to keep it fair and they got to communicate to the coaches and they got to help 
like, especially for, for my age group is they got to teach these kids what a penalty is and what a penalty isn't. And when they're inconsistent, they don't, they don't really teach anything and the, and they just get both, both coaches and, and all the parents yelling at them. So um, yeah. there's a couple incidents incidences during the weekend. My son got blindsided and hit his head off the ice. No call um, made some bullshit excuse. I got into it. Didn't take a bench minor, but we like some people I know in this conversation, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, am I going to get to defend myself? <laughs> I'll, I'll defend myself after. Actually, we won, we won the championship in our tournament as well, which was a big deal for us. Uh, yeah, so congrats really, on that. Yeah, you beat really, Little Caesars. Yeah, so we so your buddy who coaches Little Caesars, he got a bench minor for okay. his son. Also got blindsided, hammered, and he kind of started yelling at the ref. Ref, no warning, just right away, two minute bench minor. So. I'll tell you why I had such a good view from that penalty is I was suspended for a game. So I'm pro referee usually, right? Love the referees. But the way this started is, I don't know if it's like this for your guys. Usually at the beginning of the game, the referee comes over to the benches and shakes the coach's hands and you have like yeah. a quick break the ice conversation. So this game, referees don't come over, right? Bad start right away. Because usually mm-hmm. you can kind of familiarize yourself with each other, shoot the breeze. They don't come over. End of the game, we're playing the Junior Blue Jackets, and your ex-coach, John Markle, is their coach. Remember him? Oh, yeah, I remember him. How does Tan look? Oh, he looked, he looked phenomenal. Like, I thought it was Ben yep. Galton, right? Like, Specimen. Nice hair. Good looking. <laughs> Bowling, Bowling Green guy, right? So I know John Markle from back when I was at Bowling Green. He was on the mm-hmm. uh, national champion. So good guy. Talked to him after. But we're winning 4 nothing or something. The game's getting out of hand, right? Like, and our, We have some big boys on our team. And I'm trying to tell our boys, like, let's just get out of this game and get to the semis, right? couple cross-checking incidents. So I'm just trying to get the referee's attention. Say, hey, just watch the stick work. We just want to get out of this game. So after the game's over, I'm on the ice, and he's just – the whole game, the ref is dodging. won't even look at me. And I'm not yelling at him. I'm just trying to, like, say, hey, at the end of the game, we're in the handshake line. I walk by him, and I go, hey, bud. I go, if you don't want to talk to coaches, don't be a referee. Got it? And I walk away. Tease me up, gives me a game misconduct, and that's why I got a one-game suspension. So I was watching the next this Little Caesars game in the semifinals from the stands. That's not fair. that's not fair, is it, guess? I don't think it is. That's that's the one problem I have with referees. Or I've had a, the same problem a couple times is when you try to talk to a ref and he's blatantly ignoring you and. I don't know if it's just an ego thing or or they want to just stick it to you. But like we're talking about, for me, we're talking about nine-year-olds and I'm not yelling at him. I'm just trying to get his attention and maybe you chirping almost the reason, but like it it led up to that. He wouldn't talk to you before. So, you know, I just think refs need to do, they do a great job in the NHL communicating. Why can't they at the minor, minor levels? Why can't they at the youth, youth levels? So we had uh, a good incident with the referee. So our first game, uh, we're playing a team from Wisconsin, and we, we scored two goals, and they're both disallowed. And we, we have parents that iPad the game, video it. So we watched the replays, and they both actually counted. But such is life, right? The, the referee yeah. doesn't count them. He counted the one, then they kind of talked, and the one talked him out of it. So one of our dads who's a good friend of both of ours and his name rhymes with ref, <laughs> he goes ballistic and he starts banging on the glass and he's yelling at the referee. And this is the first time he's ever done anything like this. He's a great guy and, he, and he's never done this admittingly before. He falls off of his chair. He's yelling so hard, gets up, 
and him and the ref were going at it through the glass. So we pull the goalie, right? We have like face off play drawn up. Referee blows the whistle, comes over the bench and goes, Hey coach, just going to have to give me a minute here. I'm going to have to kick out this dad over there that keeps, <laughs> that keeps flipping me the bird. <laughs> and I go, what? Who's flipping you? He goes, it's one of your parents. I go, who? He goes, well, you'll see when uh, they go. So the scorekeeper sheepishly goes around the glass and like taps him on the shoulder and asks him to leave. And he gets up and he walks out. <laughs> and after the game, we go back to the hotel and his room is, and he's going to be so mad that I'm telling the story. But I go back to the hotel and his room is right beside mine. And the door is wedged open. And I walk in the room and he's underneath the sheets on his phone. And he goes, did you come here to yell at me? <laughs> and I, and I, go, I go, no, but you know what you did was wrong. He goes, why do you think I'm hiding in here? I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so there, there's a hockey dad who's usually really, really good and understands the significance of everything. And he just, it just got away from him, right? Because these referees yeah, sometimes I mean, are. We, we all have our moments. Um, you've had yours for sure. I've had mine. But, yeah, you know, okay. why, why are you trying learn. to like you're a fucking saint right now? You're worse than I am. I just said I have mine. Like, you've had yours, I've had mine. Is that a problem? Well, the way you said you've had yours, it's like everybody should well, know that. You're very opinionated. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week, Taylor Hall was traded from New Jersey Devils to Arizona Coyotes. Arizona is obviously making a little bit of a push here. Uh, by picking up a former Hart Trophy winner in 2017-18. Uh, so it's pretty pretty recent. This guy's still an elite forward in the league, you know, at the, near the top of his game. Uh, this is his third team in five years, though, Kess. And he's going to a team where I don't know if he knows anybody. Uh, changing teams midseason, it's a, it's a big uh, – it could affect the team in a positive or negative way, right? Like you're changing dynamics, and, and nobody really knows how it's going to work out. We've had numerous guys over our careers that have also, you know, come in trade deadline or midseason. One in particular with with Matt Sundin, who made a huge impact. What are your kind of thoughts of this? Or what's going to happen here? Uh, you know what? You know, I like that he got traded. I, you know, I, I well, I don't like that he got traded, but I like the trade that the Coyotes make. I think they're making a push. Um, but like you said, uh, Matt Sundin got traded to us midseason, or he didn't get traded. He signed with us. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I had mixed emotions at one point, you know, he's a centerman coming in. I'm a centerman. I get bumped on the lineup. Um, but you know, on the flip side, it ended up working out well. I, I moved to wing. I played with him. I got to, got a chance to, you know, spread my wings with him. So, you know, I'm sure some guys on that team see him coming in. Yeah. Big picture. He's going to help the team, but you know, he's going to, he's going to eat a lot of minutes up that other wingers are used to getting and it's all how they respond. Whenever I hear you say for me, what do I think of? Right away, I think of Mike Sullivan. For me, you got the tiger <laughs> of the tail. <laughs> he, he always said that uh, his, when he was our coach with Torrance. For me, the F1 on the four check is uh, going to be uh, the pressure guy. <laughs> do, you not, uh, do you think you got that from him? Yeah, I have no idea, but, but for me, uh, <laughs> I, I – I hear Tom Sestito every time I, I say that. Yeah, mocking. Yeah, mocking Sullivan. Sullivan, yeah. <laughs> right, that's good. If we got traded, traded midseason, then you got to start thinking about families with, with getting schools ready, 
you know, possibly moving, possibly living away from family. So there's yeah, a lot of aspects. Any, he had no kids. I don't even think he was married back then. <clears throat> what I remember is he came in the summer he was off. And this is when Gillis was the GM. And we were kind of just on the brink. Our core was kind of coming into its own with Yumi, Burr, the Sedins, Luongo, mm-hmm. Edler, Leanna Canton. We are just kind of coming into our own. So in the summer, Gillis made a huge offer to Sundin, who just came out of Toronto, and he was a free agent, and he was supposed to be retiring and moving back to Stockholm. It was two years, $10 million a year, which back then, it still is today, but back then was monster money, like monster, right? And I remember Matt stayed back in Sweden and thought about it and then joined their team at Christmas. So when he joined at Christmas, we're a half a season in. He's a big unit to begin with. Like, I couldn't believe how we played against him. But seeing him, like, every day, he's a big, big man. And he probably wasn't training or skating because he didn't know if he was going to play or not. So when he first came to our team, he was doing double workouts, if you remember. He was in the gym before practice doing like heavy, heavy dumbbell lunges all around the gym, like with like 80 pound dumbbells. Mm-hmm. And then he would practice and he would look slow and tired on the ice and practice because he was. And yeah. then he just kept, he felt like he had to double up and catch up to all of us. So like, like you said, his first like five or six games, he got a penalty every game. And I remember, remember Vino back then was so, so hard on guys and, and all about mm-hmm. being accountable that he would show clips of all so the first five or six games he's showing Matt's clips on uh, to the whole team like oh and a bad penalty here by you son bad penalty by you here son and we're like <laughs> oh my god like, throw the guy a bone like the guy hasn't played hockey in like eight months and he's like a hall of fame legend but he, he eventually like you said he turned his game around and then he was awesome in the playoffs we should have beat Chicago that year yeah we should have but that's hindsight yeah but anyways, uh, great for our team because he came in and kind of helped the Sidians kind of get to the next level and, and helped our team. And then we had, remember the year we went on the run, we had Higgins and LaPierre. Fuck, why can't I say his name? LaPierre. Know the guy well. Like, he's an awesome. He's one of my good friends. LaPierre. They came into the deadline, and, and those two guys put us over the top, I thought, to get us to the yeah, finals. Yeah, 100%. A lot, lot deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going back, remember when uh, – Vigno told Matt he didn't want him to take all-star break and he wanted him to skate over <laughs> over the all-star break. And Matt's is like, no, I'm going to Whistler. I'll see you in a couple of days. Other than Matt's, Matt's wasn't playing very well at the beginning. And we're doing like, we're in LA do at the Toyota El Segundo practice break. I don't know if you remember this. And we're just at the very end of practice and guys are off the ice and there's only someone. We're doing a half moon. So somebody in the corner I think Ryan Walter's in the corner passing pucks to guys and he passes one cross ice to Matt's and he just snaps it top corner, like on Lou. Remember nobody scored on Lou back then in practice, yeah. right? And then Ryan Walter, I'm standing beside Matt's in line and Ryan Walter skates over him and goes, Hey Matt's, it's a great shot. Like you should use that shot more. And Matt's who's like the most humble guy and never said anything goes, thanks. I got 600 fucking goals. And he just <laughs> turned around and skates off the ice. <laughs> Oh, he was pissed that practice. You remember why? No, why? Remember he never wore a tie after games? Yes. And that was the practice where, you know, Vigneault told Bones, Bones told Walter. Yes. And then Walter skated up the mats and he's like, or they, 
Wal- no, he didn't. He's, he wrote it on the board. Wrote it on the board. Yeah. <laughs> number 13. He was one, Number at. 13, $100 fine for a tie, <laughs> tie violation. But it was like a trickle down because nobody wanted to actually tell him. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's the beginning story of that. <laughs> Hall of Famer is going to get a $100 tie violation. In fact, and he's like, he's like, I didn't even know about it. Like, if you told me to wear a tie, I would have wore a tie. <laughs> oh my god that's awesome all right well who else so yeah higgy and lappy put us over the top uh, kind of what i think happens when a new guy comes into a locker room is obviously the, the guys right away try to welcome him and take him in and the off ice stuff is usually not that big deal on ice i feel like right away that guy gets thrusted into a position to be successful so right away if he's a forward and he's somewhat offensive, he goes to the top power play unit. Don't you think? Yeah, 100%. Um, they give him every opportunity to succeed because, you know, I think that comes from the GM though, right? He makes a trade and he wants to he wants to make it look like he made the right decision. But uh, let's, let's talk about this flip side though. Like I've had it happen in Anaheim a couple times um, where a, a teammate that you're good buddies with leaves, right? And then yeah. a new guy comes in or your team's not performing and you have a guy like, you know, um, Andrew Cogliano get traded mid-season. He was a line mate. And then a new guy comes in. So Awesome um, room guy too, right? Like Cogliano, uh, like the, yeah. the guy in the room that's awesome, like funny, like witty, keeps the room. And then you eliminate him. And who did you guys bring in? I think I was gone. We brought in uh, Devin Shore, which, you know, good guy. Um, not Cogs. Yeah, but it's not Cogs. Cogs is a uh, is just a one of a kind individual. He's he's hilarious and and one of my good friends. Cogs would sit across from me against the wall. Anaheim dress room is terrible, right? One of the worst in the league. Yeah. I think we could agree mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I so agree. So Cog, Cogs would sit across from me. You probably couldn't even see him from your spot. That's how bad the room is. Against the one p- pillar, I, I know would sit against the other pillar. <laughs> and when Bruce Boudreaux would do his pregame speeches, and he would just forget about his train of thought and just say, "I don't know what I'm talking about." We both put our hoodies over our heads and we just bury our heads into the corner and start laughing. <laughs> and as soon as one of us did it, the other one would do it. But then uh, Cogs, Cogs is the dressing room guy, like super quiet, but funny and funny and witty. Yeah. So you're right. You, you eliminate a guy like that, that really hurts the team dynamic, right? Yeah, 100%. That uh, you, you eliminate a team guy and a guy that's well-liked, it, it definitely changes the dynamic. Um, not for the better either. So Taylor Hall's going into to Arizona. Keep an eye on kind of how that goes. On the ice, he's, he's certainly going to help him, but I'm, I'm, I don't know the guy at all. I'm yeah, sure I, don't, I don't know. I've heard stories about him, good and bad, so um, I'm not one to uh, to uh, talk about it. Just like you and me, right? Good yeah, and bad. Exactly. Mostly, mostly good, though. Obviously. Okay, let's talk about uh, injuries. Um, I feel like the average fan doesn't quite understand what happens and what the process is when you get hurt. All they know is they're like, okay, Ryan Kessler, broken foot, out four to six weeks. Okay, so in four to six weeks, we'll see you playing again. They don't understand kind of what the day-to-day is. Why don't uh, – we should tell them a little bit about that. And, and you obviously have had your hip injury, which is super serious and prevalent. But maybe talk about like a broken foot or something. Like what you – because you broke your foot a few times, right? Yeah, broke my foot. Played on a broken foot. Don't you remember that, Kevin? Yeah, I, mo- I you mocked were... you. I mocked you about it. Yeah. 
and then finally found out it was broken. Yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> Played on a broken foot, and three weeks later, oh, yeah, your foot's broken. Yeah, no uh, kidding. It hurts. Yeah, I, you know, broken foot and, you know, with your injuries with the Achilles, those are very frustrating injuries, right? Because there's not like you can do anything with the other, other injuries, but they're, they're stupid injuries, right? You break, break a foot, you have shot blockers you could have used for you cut proof socks, but for you, the cut proof socks didn't work. So um, those are frustrating. Once you, you got to get over that frustration and then you start rehabbing and, and what people for me with my hip is first comes surgery. Then, you know, comes the boring rehab, <laughs> the, the rehab, which is an hour too long that you don't even sweat. And then you start slowly building yourself up. And then they allow you to skate and, and, you know, just quick, quick uh, cliff notes version. Um, once you start skating, it's not, you go out there and you're full board. You got to learn how to skate again. You might skate for 15 minutes the first time and just like coast around the ice, just get used to it. And then you might do that for a week and then it amps up. And then there's, there's stages to each um, return to play. And, you know, I feel, um, Keep in mind, though, you're skating by yourself, right? It's you yeah, usually it's, in, the, in the skills coach. So, like, it's yeah. this isn't this isn't a lot. But usually if it's a long-term injury, like if you have surgery and then you're immobilized for four to six weeks in a cast, you can't really do much. So you go to the rink every day, you get worked on by some of the physio guys, and then maybe you'll do some – if it's a lower body injury, you'll do, like, the UB, is it the UBE machine that we used to do in Vancouver – like the pedal machine for your hands. So you do some sort of cardio, but sometimes you're not even allowed to do cardio. So you're just sitting there immobilized, frustrated, doing nothing for, you know, and then once you get to the point where you can actually do stuff in the gym, ride the bike, that's kind of like, you're like, thank God, thank God I can finally do something. And then when you get on the ice, it's like, thank God I can finally skate, even though it's 15, 20 minutes with like Glenn Carnegie or Larry Barron. Yeah, exactly. And and remember in Anaheim, there was guys that were injured that didn't get a day off for like 40, 50 days. So you don't get the grievance. <laughs> grievance. You don't get the normal days off. For me, you know, I, I, I had my uh, exercise physiologist, Ben Spore. He planned and the team was really good with working with him. And, and because my, my hip injury was a little different. Um, cause it was arthritic and I needed the days off and um, they really, we worked out a plan and it's a full plan. A lot of planning goes behind that. And it went from the beginning from surgery and then we had blocks, building blocks. And finally like you, you get back to return to play. And then it's, it's always you're itching. So it's always, you know, I want to play once you get close, you want to just say, screw it. Let's skip the last part. And, and let's just go play. Well, the last part's the most important. And that, that, that's usually the most painful because you're skating with the team. You're feeling good. Guys are asking you, when are you playing? You kind of feel guilty for not playing. Um, but, you know, if you go back, you could injure yourself again. So that's, that's, the, uh, that's, that's the hardest part for me is the last part. So, like, the toughest part for me is, was always the mental part. The physical stuff, yeah, the monotonous rehab, that sucked. But the thing is, when you're not you're not practicing with the team, and the best every most hockey players will tell you the best time being a hockey player is in the dressing room before practice. You, like not games, but practice. You not agree? Like when everyone's just sitting around and everyone's just laughing and shooting the shit and telling stories and chirping each other and fight. Like it's 
that's the best time, right? Yeah. Like being, mm-hmm. being, so when you're hurt, you don't get that. You're not really around the guys for when they're on the road, you stay home and you rehab yeah. by yourself mm-hmm. usually. So you you don't feel like you're a part of the team. We've had, yeah, we've had some coaches that said, we don't even want you around the guys. If you're injured, we don't even want you near the guys and distract. You got to be gone things. before the team gets there. So usually you're skating at 6 a.m. You're out of there by nine. And like game days, you can't be around. You can't come down in the dress room after the game. So now you basically just feel like a piece of shit because you blocked a shot and tried to help your team win. Right. Yeah. So some, some yeah. teams were better with it and being and a little bit more inclusive, but there were some teams we were on where if you were hurt, not only were you not playing and depressed about that, but now you're not even allowed to be around the team. <laughs> yeah. It's the, that, that was also the hardest part for me is, is even when you're at the rink with the guys, if, if they're in the locker room, you're on the ice. If they're on the ice, you're in the gym. If you're in the gym, you're rehabbing down the hall in the, in the training room. So you never, you cross paths, but you never really get that interaction with the guys. And, and once you're used to having that and then you're injured, you're feeling like shit about yourself already. And then you, uh, <clears throat> and then you, you don't get the, that interaction. It's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, that's, that's probably one of the main reasons I, I decided to, well, one, you don't understand how injured you are at the time, but I've played through a lot of my injuries, just like you, you played through a lot of minor injuries. So, um, you know, rather than take that week or two off, you play through it. Right. Well, we always came back from injuries early and bad because like you said, like we just said, you don't want to be off. Like you feel like you're, you're not part of the group. You're not included. And I think, I think a lot of GMs probably like this. They probably want you to be uncomfortable and not happy that you're not playing and, and push you to get, well, some GMs, some GMs want you to come back. One GM in particular that we both had wanted you to come back. You didn't care what your injury was, come back as soon as you can. And then other GMs we had thought a little bit more long-term. When we were in Vancouver, we're on long, long-term deals. They were, you know, make sure you're a hundred percent. Let's make sure we nip this in the bud and yeah. you recover before you come back. But there's definitely with different guys, guys that aren't on long-term deals and are maybe more role players. There is a little bit of pressure to get back in the lineup right away. Don't you agree or no? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree. You know, I think uh, they want to make you very uncomfortable and uh, they want to push you to the point where, you know, you, you want to play. Um and to be honest, when you, when you're training and you're almost coming back, it's harder than actually playing games. Playing games is fun. It's yeah. it's the it's the training and and the skating by yourself still and conditioning on your own, and then having to go out and practice with the team. Um, it's the training, like the bag skating before. That's you know just as harder as harder, and then you still got a bike ride after. You still have to practice with the team, and it just amps up. And you know, I think that's when they try to make you so uncomfortable that you're just like, you know what, I just rather play. I think closer to playoffs, we'll talk more about how you like playing through injuries and and yeah. like needles and like toradol. I played probably half my playoff games on toradol, right, which is an anti slam yeah. just to be able to to mask the pain enough to get by. And and you did. A lot of guys did. It's short-term thinking. We'll talk more about that closer to playoffs. But, yeah, for sure. You know, there's basically two types of players, right? Like ones who just play through the injury and don't say anything like me, and then guys who just talk about it all the time like you in the media and still play <laughs> through it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was not my chirp. To, just so you know, I was uh-huh. forced into saying that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding, buddy. You're a warrior. You play through more injuries yeah, yeah, I know. than I have. I'm a warrior that likes to talk about it, right? Friends again? Yeah, sure. Hey, quickly, do you remember when we were mad at you were mad at me, I should say? And this went on for weeks, and we're on the ice for morning skate one morning. This story just came to me. And it's just half the guys, most of the guys are off the ice. There's you, me, you're in one end, I'm in the other shooting pucks into an empty net. Uh, there's Jeff Tambolini on the ice, who was on our team, and Rick Bonus is the assistant coach leading against the boards. So I'm, you've been mad at me for a couple of weeks, and now I'm at well, a point where. You said I had a broken foot. I mocked you. Yeah, I mocked yeah. you that your foot was broken. I didn't know it was broken. So you're mad at me for a couple of weeks not talking to me. And now I'm mad at you because you're mad at me. So I'm just looking to get into a confrontation. So it's game day skate and you're at one end and I'm just firing pucks down the ice at you in your direction, just trying to get a reaction. And the first couple miss you. And then the third one, I think hits you right in the skate hard. And you turn around, you look at me and you yell down the ice, fuck your problem. And as soon as you say something, I'm like, fuck you. You want to go? And I start skating down the tour. And I remember Tambolini skates by Rick Bonus when he sees me firing pucks at you. And he says, hey, Bones, like these guys are going to go at it. Like, you should watch out. And Bones is like, no, no, they're best friends. Like, they're not going to fight. And then next thing you know, we're both skating towards each other. And Rick, like, skates, sprints across. The guy's like, bro, bring it up, bring it up. What's going on here? <laughs> like, fuck you. No, fuck you. You remember that story? Oh, yeah. I remember Bones talking me off the ledge. I'm going to fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, Ryan. Right. Calm down. And then we made up after, like we always yeah, did. Exactly. So that kind of, I don't know if we, uh, we could kind of segue that into talking about coaches, I guess, right? Like, like I said earlier, rare alert that a coach actually gets fired because of his performance. And in Vancouver, we had, we had a really good run where we won back-to-back President's Trophies, and then we went to uh, the Cup Finals, obviously. And then yeah. our, our group, it got a little bit stale when you're playing the same guys, same coaches, same practices, same routine, it gets stale. So that kind of happened in San Jose, right? And they had a good team for for a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, it happened in Vancouver happened in, uh, and it just happened in San Jose. You know, I think they have a lot of those guys playing, playing together uh, for so long that you don't think it gets stale, but it does. You get older um, and, and your play declines. And when you're together for so long, you know, I, I think, you know, the same jokes aren't funny anymore. And, and to be honest, you're, you're around teammates more than you're around your wife and kids, right? When you're yeah. playing every day. So once that gets stale, the, I, you know, I think it directly affects performance on the ice. And I think the coach is the one that take the bullet, right? Happened in Vancouver and it happened in San Jose. Well, happened with uh, Boudreaux in Anaheim too. He was there before you got there, but he was there yeah. for a while, right? And had a lot of success. And you guys went to the, uh, I think the Western Cup Championship when Bosch fell down there and Taves went around him and scored. <laughs> 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 Shit happens, right? But it, uh-huh. it happens. So then like a coach comes in midseason. I know they just got Bob Bugner is the new interim head coach. Rick Bonus is the interim head coach in Dallas. And they're assistant yeah, coaches. So it's not like, yeah, it's not like it's a new guy coming in. But it's it's a little bit of a fresh start for some guys who have been maybe pigeonholed into roles that they think that they're, they can take on more of, of a bigger role. So it's like a, a new first impression kind of thing. So it definitely gives you a little bit of a spark. And you feel you feel bad. You're like, 
shit, I played so bad that the coach got fired. So it kind of, it's a bit of a jolt. Well, you don't know. Maybe some guys are happy, right? Sometimes, yeah. you know, every coach has a shelf life. You can only hear the same spiel over and over again so long. I feel like the guys liked DeVore. I had DeVore in the world championships. Not much. He was the forward coach. But I feel like the guys liked him and they played for him. Yeah, no. I had him, uh, I had him shit, for the All-Star game in 2000-whatever. Um, he was our head coach. And, and the Sharks guys loved him. They had nothing bad to say about him. And Burns and Pavelski. So I'm sure that wasn't the case for him. I, we don't give out compliments too easy on this, this show, but that's <laughs> one of the – the best well-coached teams in the last 10 years, I think. And I know he's only been there for, I think, four or five, but their power play to me was so good for so long because they had mm. the same five, four or five guys on the, on the same unit, and they had, like, four or five options, like, run through this option, run through that. Like, they were just so hard to defend because they were so, like, on the same page. Every single guy knew exactly where their outs were, where what their attacking plays were, and – I mean, you got to give a little bit of credit to the coach. I know a lot of that's probably jumbo. Uh, yeah, you know, I think for for them, it's putting the right stick in the right spot. You know what I mean by that? They got the the writing in the right spot. They had their activator, their passer. Um, they have the left side for a one-timer. And then it's just keeping those guys together, like you said. It, I think coaches nowadays, you know, especially the last couple of years I played, I know in Anaheim they they moved it around so much that you don't get a chance to play with someone. And then as soon as you don't go a game or two without scoring, they change it again. And then they change it again. And with San Jose that and any team, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be games where there's going to be stretches where you don't score for five, six games, but then you're going to have stretches where power, you know, five, six games in a row, that power play that you, you kept together is going to win you five or six games in a row. And because they're used to each other, because they almost know where each other are going to be. And like Danny and Hank, right. They have that sixth sense for each other. And I think when you keep a power play together for years like that, it definitely, definitely helps. Well, when you're, when you're a power play that, is working together that well. That's what takes you to the next level. So it makes me think of the unit when it was you, Danny, and Hank, right? You were the net front guy. And then it was usually Ed Burr and Erhoff. And then I was on the little second unit that probably outproduced you. But you guys, whenever there was a shot on net and there was a rebound that kicked into the corner, you would go, you would release from the front of the net right away. You would yeah. go to the corner, you would outbattle the D, and then you would hard brim it all the way around the other end to where Hank would be standing at the the hash marks and it was instant relief of pressure. Yeah, right? we practiced that every day though. Like but we would practice those that. retrievals. No, so, no one else so does. You guys that. would get second and third and fourth chances all the time, rather than most power plays, like you said, in Anaheim when they're just like a revolving door and you get out there and now you do a puck retrieval, you go into the corner. Well, you don't know where the hell Rax is. You don't know where the hell Sylvia is. You don't know if it's yeah. Getsy with you. Obviously, Perry's not forechecking, so mm-hmm. he's probably over in the corner doing something, right? Looking for a backdoor tap in. Yeah, well, who's the top power play in the league, Boston? I think so, yeah. I'm not a stats guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not either, but I, I know they're up there. They're they're kicking at like 30%. That's the same group as the past four or five years. They got – who do they have? They have Marchant, Bergeron. Pasternak. Uh, Krug. Pasternak, Krug, and Chara. Or so, Krejci. Or Krejci sometimes. Yeah, so they, they have four guys that are together at least – 
and they've been together for years. So they know where each other are. And that's, to me, that makes a huge difference in a power play. Yeah. So we kind of took, took this Pete DeBoer topic and then turned it into just one of their strengths and, and power plays are interesting because they, especially for teams that don't score a lot of goals, power plays, you rely on them to win games. And we had, we had the first unit power play and penalty kill, I think twice in our careers. Right. I think we had it once in van, but we were always close in both yeah. top of the league. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's what makes your team so good. So We'll move on to the next topic. So, Cass, uh, Christmas is about a week out now, and this is your first season not playing mm-hmm. on the long term. So, usually you're playing right, right until the 22nd or 23rd, and then now you get a mandatory three days off. So, you haven't been able probably to enjoy the holidays, much like myself, but the, the week's coming up. So, you know, Christmas concerts, I'm sure, with your kids. My kids have had them. How's it been for you? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been amazing talking about the past. Though is is it doesn't you don't get the full effect of Christmas when you're playing. You you play right up until the twenty second or twenty third. You might be flying home, um, and Anaheim always is on the road before Christmas. And you know, I miss my son's birthday. I miss my my uh, and you go and playing on the West Coast. You never get to go home like it doesn't make sense to go home if you're going home for what 36 hours or 24 hours and you're flying cross country. So, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying Christmas, really enjoying Christmas shopping with the family and shopping for people and and wrapping gifts and and putting up the tree and really just, just enjoying the holidays because that's not really something that you get to do when you only have three days and, and, um, shit. Do you remember, uh, were you in the meeting when the NHL PA wanted us said the NHL wanted us to play on Christmas and everybody in the room shot it down? Yeah. Were you in that yeah. meeting? Yeah. Well, because the, uh, I think the NBA just, does that, right? Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of that and I hope they never go to that, but um, I'm a big holiday guy and, and having Thanksgiving at home and, and, you know, being home for the holidays this time in Michigan, first time shit. And since I was probably 15 years old, I'm getting to spend the holidays in Michigan. So it's, it's going to be exciting. I'm fun. How about you? Well, I just listened to what you just said there. It reminded me that Riker's birthday is at the end of December. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, she couldn't hold out. Little inside joke there. So he's a late December birth rather than being an early January where he'd be probably the oldest kid on his team. Now he's the youngest. Uh, that sucks, eh? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, wife couldn't hold out. What can I say? Um, <laughs> try it, tried everything. Just uh, he's stubborn. He wanted to come out. Yeah. So anyway, it's just a little poking on there. But I'm, uh, I'm in – Canada right now we were like I said we're in Detroit for a tournament and then we came back drove home to just outside of Hamilton and Grimsby so we're here for a couple of days it's been snowing out been skating outside at night Cole and I it's been awesome that's awesome so we're kind of we're just waiting and we're gonna head back in the next couple of days to Cali and just spend California just the four of us and Bash and our dog you have, you have two dogs right yeah mm-hmm. so I have Bash and him and I walk every day so anyways kind of just reminded me the other day we're walking and he's on his leash he's on a six foot long leash and I walk to the school park and I just let him go once we get to the grass part we're walking across I'm not even in a great mood I'm on my phone texting probably you and 
and calling our producer. And this cop dog patrol unit drives his, his pickup truck across the grass and it's wet out and damp. So like tread marks everywhere. <laughs> and he drives right across and he slams on his brakes right in front of me. I'm just standing there and bashes it. It's kind of like sniffing the grass and he gets out and he goes, are you, he's like, you know about the leash law in Newport beach. Right. And I look at him and I go, why are you driving on the field? Right. So probably not a great start. <laughs> and he goes, well, are you aware that there was an attack here a couple of weeks ago? And I'm like, this is a stupid answer by me. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I am. I live here. And so there goes my warning. Right. So now instead of getting a warning for him being off leash, I get a, a ticket. And then he, go, he goes to me, you know, your California driver's license is suspended. And, and keep in mind, I'm super respectful to cops. I love police officers. You know, I respect <laughs> their job. I am. Keep that in mind, right? Yeah, I've uh-huh. gone off. Yeah, of so I'm, I'm keeping it in mind. I'm replaying so all these situ- times in my head. <laughs> so many situations I've gone away from showing them the respect they deserve. So, but I was in a bad mood. So he's like, your California driver's license is suspended. I go, I don't have a California driver's license. I have an Ontario one. He goes, well, they created one for you last year and then they suspended it. And I go, well, you know a lot for a dog cop. <laughs> like, Here's your two tickets, bud. And I'm like, oh, great. Have a good day. Get off the field. <laughs> so that's what I'm rushing home to, to dog patrol. Can't wait. And so then, how much uh, were those tickets? What you get the two tickets for? One for off-leash. What's the other one for? Your license? Yeah. Some make-believe driver's license that somebody made for me, and then they suspended it. So I want to hear more about this license. I, I want to know more about this license. Yeah. I don't want a California driver's license. I'm still Canadian citizen, right? <laughs> U, U.S. resident, God bless America. Yeah. Right? But, EBA. But I still go home to Canada in the summer, so I prefer to keep the license here where I'm driving a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I'm looking forward to, the, to getting back to Cali for, for the holidays. But uh, you'll have a nice, hopefully you have a white Christmas in Detroit. It feels more like Christmas out east though, right? You got the snow, you got the, that's just, you know, for me growing up here and you too, for me it feels more like Christmas when you got the snow outside and the cold weather. Definitely, uh, it was a little weird in California when you're you're shopping for Christmas trees and and a t-shirt and shorts. I always thought that growing up, like I never want to play somewhere hot around Christmas and being home right now and, and, and having the snow and the cold weather and skating outside with cold has been like awesome, right? Like just like we grew up, but I've gotten used to Christmas in California the last three years. Like I like it a lot. It gets chilly at night and cold, uh, jump in the, in the hot tub with the cold weather, but I, I don't know. I'm, it's growing on me. Maybe I'm getting softer. Yeah, I think you're getting soft. That's all right though. It happens to all of us. Christmas in Cali is, is, is adequate, I think. You're listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Okay, joining us now, all the way from Calgary, Alberta, he is currently third in the NHL in even strength minutes per game at 20 minutes and 20 seconds. He's 24th in the NHL in average time on ice. He's 18th in the NHL in average shift length, selfish. 55 <laughs> seconds. He's 27th in the league in block shots with 60, team guy. He's on pace for 10 goals and 30 points. He's a Tim Hortons franchise owner. 
He's a water ski professional. <laughs> and he's a 2018 Most Improved Tennis Player of the Year, Ben Sherrod. Ben, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. And I would be, I would, I'd be better at water skiing if I wasn't getting tugged behind your, your little tugboat that you got at your cottage. <laughs> Only professional athlete I've never seen get up in water skiing. And you're like oh, one of the most a- athletic guys I know. Kev's Kev's got his little propeller boat and he's trying to pull 230 pounds out of the water. Get, get off your wallet, Kev. Buy a boat. Oh my! Things from like 1965. This, this trying guy pull, trying to pull full-grown men out of the water with it. This guy swallowed <laughs> swallowed half my leg trying to get up for 20 minutes. One <laughs> up my shorts. <laughs> so Benny, <laughs> all right. I'm sure we got jokes. So anyway, I want to read this quote to you and it'll kind of, we'll talk a little bit about uh, your style of play and kind of your upbringing. So this is an article back in September 13th. It's just a practice drill, but don't tell that to Ben Sherrod, who finishes, finishes it off with a cross check to fill up the nose chest. A few <laughs> minutes earlier in this first on ice session as a Montreal Canadian, the six foot three, 225 pound, that's more like 235 defenseman was engaged in a one-on-one battle with five foot nine, 163 pound speedster Paul Byron. Sherratt picked up the puck in the corner, pushed his shoulder into Byron's chest, backed the diminutive winger into the crease, and threw a spin around wrist shot into some lingering's net. Then, as possession changed, Sherratt stiff armed Byron, threw him off the puck, and poke checked it <laughs> to center ice. Is this, is this not like a pure reflection of your game, just bullying little forwards? What a what a beast! What a beast, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Just a um, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like, I guess uh, you know, watching watching the guy I watched a lot and learning from. Um, obviously, number three in uh, Vancouver for a while. He he showed me how to play. Uh, you know, not the nicest way, bullying guys in four on four all summer. And uh, yeah, talk yeah, about no. that league. Tell the people about that league. What that was like growing up. We had some, some big tough guys. Well, yeah, yeah, well, Kevin McGrath would just beat the wheels off of like <laughs> either young teenagers or like fifty-year-old <laughs> men. <laughs> <laughs> just give them no choice. They're working on their fighting in our summer league. And uh, no, it was really good. I I found when I was young too, especially all the pros in our area played. Um, you know, getting to be around NHL players when you're, you know, eight, 17, 18, 19, and it was competitive and guys were playing, playing hard, obviously, because, um, you know, fights, fights would start. So it was, um, it was great intensity and, and good skates for us in the summer. Um, so that was, that was kind of my first, uh, first time around NHL players was, was seeing Kev just beating the wheels off of <laughs> 18 year old kids. <laughs> so a little bit, a little bit of background. Some of this is true. Some of, so I kind of helped start this four on four summer training league. It was a while ago now, right? It was probably like 15 years ago I when know. I first kind of got into the NHL and Benny was just kind of coming up in the O and he played it as well as four on four. There was like maybe six teams, but it was competitive, right? Like we had, like I said, oh, yeah. we had Ray Emery, Ryan Ellis. We had, Riley Sheehan. We had a lot of NHL guys who came out because it was so good and so competitive. But if you're from Hamilton, like you and I are from, and you grew up there, and you grew <laughs> up grew up skating in Steel City with like these men's league guys who think that they're all Gordy Howe, like it's it was physical. 
Like it was physical oh, yeah. summer hockey four and four. And there were, remember that Kyle Hagel? That guy had like 30 fights a year in the A. I yeah. fought him the one summer. No, I know. I'm kidding. Kev didn't beat up an 18-year-old. He actually fought like a, like a tough guy from the AHL who just wanted a piece of him. <laughs> and in front of like, you know, we get like people that come out and watch the games. So like 150 people there and they're seeing this NHL player fighting, a, fighting an American League guy that they should be paying tickets to watch. <laughs> but but I, I didn't even know who the guy was. And this is just what happened. And my dad used to come to all those games too. And he's, he's in like watching behind the glass as this happens. And then after he says to me, you know, you know that guy you fought? And I go, no, like, no, of course I don't know who he is. Like, who is he? He goes, well, I used to fight his dad all the time in the stealth. <laughs> 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 that's where he got that's where he got that from big al when he would play in the stelco leagues and he, he'd be beating the wheels off guys you're like yeah this is what we should be doing in summer hockey well that's that's how you play the game so then we so then we started skating after that we played against each other but then we started training together right with all you know more of the serious guys with some of those skates and uh and then juice camp juice camp what a time so for three years we did a camp up at my cottage and it was you and I, and uh, we flew in our skating coach, Derek Popke, Vancouver Hockey School plug. And we brought in, remember, we brought in a chef, Will Kaminsky. Yeah. Kat, Kat, good friend of Kess's, Will Kaminsky. Yeah. <laughs> right, Kess? Yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you used to go to his deli. You used to go to his deli all the time, didn't you, Kess? Yeah, I went to a shop maybe once, and he charged me forty-five dollars for a sandwich. And <laughs> <laughs> a lot of body hair on Will Kaminsky. We're all sitting in the hot tub, and Big Will just looks like a turkey roasting before Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're not the same man after sitting in a hot tub with that guy. Yeah. So like, we started our own mini bio bio steel basically for like three, four years, right, Benny? And we went up and like, but they were it was a serious camp, right? We go like five days before you and I both take off, and it was yeah. it was it was tough though, right? Oh yeah, like it was the first year. So I played my first like forty games in the NHL get the invite up to juice camp and uh and like first morning you're like okay we're waking up we're skating at uh 7 30 we'll work out right after and then like i remember the first morning i woke up early like thinking like 6 30 was early and you're down at the lake doing like a like navy seal training like cold plunge into the water to wake up <laughs> come up for breakfast like but uh no we had, we had a lot of fun i mean we played tennis all day you and popkey would We'll just lob balls at Will at Will's side of the court, knowing he's just a stationary gun out there. And uh, no, we play tennis for hours, work out, skate, take the boat around. It was, uh, and and then that was big for me too at the time, getting to hang around. Um, you know, a guy I was looking up to and, and seeing how he worked and all that stuff. So it was, um, those were uh, those were a lot of fun for me. Yeah, so those were those were fun days where we would skate twice usually a day, and then in between, we you and I, they would both go to sleep because they were tired. But you and I would do a work crush a workout, and then we play tennis in like thirty five degrees Celsius weather, and then we attempt a water ski and we do all this stuff. And it was just, uh, and then we try to go get a coffee. Cass, can you water ski? Uh, obviously not behind Kevin's boat, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
Usually yeah. grown men don't water ski, but Kevin, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Popke thought it was like the coolest thing. <laughs> I think the things to do now is wake surf, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he doesn't have exactly. one of those kind of boats, so he can't do that behind his boat. He's like 40 <laughs> years behind the times right now. Jesus. You guys are chirping my boat, and I have two brand new jet skis that you could water <laughs> yeah. ski behind, or you could do whatever you want. Basically, it's like jet fuel that powers these things. So like little rockets you could take to space. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I loved a jet ski when I was 15. I remember that. <laughs> so anyways, talk, talk, so you're training, obviously uh, I've skated with you a long time and I, and I know that you're a great skate, not to pump you too much, right? Cause you know, I don't do that, but no, no, you can pump me up. Go ahead. But you're, you've always been in great shape, like from the beginning, just to ask you and you train hard in the summer. That's a big part of who you are. So you're, you're crushing minutes right now in Montreal. Right. And like, how's that been? This is kind of, and you've been in the NHL for five years now, right? And you've played 20 minutes a night before, but you're, you're playing like 26, 27, 28 minutes a night now. And you've been doing it for like a month. So how's the body feeling? Because you look like shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> on, cam- on camera. I mean, I mean on camera because I'm looking at you. Not on, the on camera, you look terrible. Um, no, how's I love it. I, the body feels good. Um, you know, that's something that, I wanted, you know, you you want your whole career. You want to be the guy that's relied on to play against uh, play against the best players and and be the guy that your team relies on the most. So, um, you know, getting that responsibility in Montreal has been uh, has been great. And um, you know, I'm just trying to do the best job I can for them while they're you know they're relying on me. Yeah, but how does your body feel though? Like, are you tired yet? Because I, I remember when I went through stints where I was playing 28 minutes a night. You, you're worn down. Like, right now, you look at you. You just woke up. You got, like, your hair everywhere. <laughs> Chest hair hasn't been trimmed I mean, in, I like, mean, two months. I can see why you'd get tired because you're, like, 6'1", 180 pounds. But <laughs> when you're 6'3", 225, just jacked, you, you can sustain that. <laughs> All right. So we're, not, so we're not getting a real answer. So talk about uh, Winnipeg. Kess loved it in Winnipeg. Didn't you, Kess? Loved it. <laughs> no, seriously. You know what? Playing there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I made a lot of good friends, lifetime friends there. Um, the city itself, I mean, hockey's, hockey's obviously the biggest thing going on there. Um, like city wise, um, if, if all you're worried about is playing hockey, which I was when I was young, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a great time and great place to play. We had some great memories there, obviously, um, you know, going deep in the playoffs and, the first time we made the playoffs and we lost the cast, but that's all right. Cause I probably buried him a few times. Um, <laughs> well, so, do you guys play against each other that series? Cass? Oh yeah. Cass scored in game four to like seal the deal. And he like gave the crowd like one of these to like, like wave them and I'm waving them on. Well, let's they talk were... about game three and four when they just booed me the entire time. And <laughs> yeah. they, had, they had fuck you, Kessler, and the, like multiple <laughs> fans. Had this, like they're handing them out before game three, like fuck you, Kessler. Like yeah. there was probably 15, 20 fans holding the same sign. I'm like, okay. We'll Perry, Perry, got, Perry got it relentlessly that whole time too. Uh, Captain it... Rogaine got it too, Getsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Captain Rogaine. The loudest yeah. I've ever heard anything chanted in that building. <laughs> yeah. 
We're all is laughing. That, that. Those, is that those why you? Uh, is that why you butt ended Perry in the face next time you played him in Anaheim? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it was, an, it was an accident. Was that your only suspension you've ever had? I've never been suspended. I've just been fined a bunch of times. You didn't get suspended for that blatant butt end? <laughs> no. No, can you did believe I, that? Did I tell you yeah. about after you did that, um, Perry's uh, wife, Blakeney, who's awesome, she, she, but she's a little fiery, and she comes up to me and she goes, Kevin, you you better beat that guy up next game. Chiraka, you better beat him up. And I'm like, he's like one of my best friends. I can't beat him up. I go, why don't you tell Corey to beat him up? She goes, well, he can't. And I go, well, I guess I guess we're in a jam here then, aren't we? You know what? I actually uh, I actually ran into him. We were out in Dallas, and he was at the same spot, and he knew some of the guys on my team, and we just like cross paths, and he's like he's like Ben. And I'm like, Corey. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, I'm like, you still think I butt ended you on purpose? And he's like, yep. <laughs> Come on. So I'm sure he's got a stick for me somewhere down the line. So this kind of segues into a really good thing. So Kess and I, when we were in van, we were roommates for six years, but we used to go at it. And obviously in practice, you know, off the ice. Every day. We'd, like all the time, right? Like, and there's a few, we told a story earlier how we almost got in. Well, we got into a couple fights where there was punches, like noogies to the head and, and everything. So you and Wheeler are obviously good friends, right? I know you guys spend a lot of time together. Your wives are good friends. You yep. guys got into a mix up in practice too one year, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, we had a little scrap in practice. I mean, it was just two, like, two competitive guys he was on the power play on the half ball and I was on the PK and uh he would do like wheels like he can get fiery and so if the if the PP is not doing well he's just gonna step in and like rip one like right by my right by my ears and um and I said something to him about it and he came in kind of grumpy that day to begin with so I said something to him and then like PK keep you know we keep going on and uh, Puck goes into the corner, and we both go in, like, high and hard at each other. <laughs> and then, uh, but that wasn't even the start of the fight, so it keeps coming around. Wheels gets the puck, and I know he's coming in to shoot it, so I just basically stand, like, on the other side of the PK. Like, there's no chance this puck's hitting me. And he just full turns and shoots it at me. And, uh, and from that point, it was on. We, like, I skate up to him. A few punches get thrown guys break it up but uh but we hugged it we hugged it out the next like not even an hour later uh it was all good but it was like everywhere in the media and in the media one of the media guys in uh in winnipeg tweeted out that i was going after shifley cross-checking shifley and that wheeler stepped in and saved the day and so I, uh, i'm getting people just like tweeting at me like right. you're an idiot fuck you like that sounds like an everyday occurrence between juice and i though oh yeah he'd yeah shoot a puck at me it hit me i'd shoot one back we'd hug it out after practice next day yeah. coming in fuck you <laughs> <laughs> so why so was it why did you throw uh evander kane's fubu tracksuit in the shower <laughs> I, was, I was like 
I was only in the league for like 10 games at that point. I wasn't touching anybody's clothes or saying anything <laughs> to anybody, but that's definitely, uh, that was something I'll never forget. I was actually just in that room yesterday. Yeah, you guys were. I would have loved to have been there. Oh, it was <laughs> chaos. Buff, Buff is a beauty too. I played yeah, with Buff in the, in the World Cup and he's he's a lot different than what he plays like on the ice. He's just a gentle giant. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was, uh, I was lucky from when I started in the league, I played with Buff. He was my partner a lot and he's just, he's so like carefree, like throw the biggest like pizza turnover, whatever doesn't phase him, doesn't bother him. And, uh, that's (laughs) That's like, that's actually a good trait to have, especially the way, like the way he plays, but just as a defenseman, because shit's going to happen. And so that was, that was the biggest thing I took from him is, Things are going to happen out there that you're not going to like, but you just got to keep keep on rolling with it. What about uh, – you probably saw Mizey last night, right, from Van? Yeah. You know, your best buddies. You played with him for a long time. Talk to him yeah. after? Yeah, got to – I went to uh, went to his dinner for house for dinner the night before. Um, got to spend some time with him and his family. We got uh, pretty close with them, good friend of mine. Uh, our families are close, so it was uh, it's good to catch up with Mizey and – he loves Vancouver and, and uh, he's doing well there. And um, Vancouver's lucky, uh, lucky to have him. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. You, uh, <laughs> you played for uh, Montreal now. Like, for me, not that I didn't like playing in Canada, but it was your rock star, right? So what's it like uh, playing in uh, basically the, uh, the center of Canada? Yeah, it's besides it's, Toronto, right, Juice? Yeah. Well, Toronto's the center of Canada, but this, that's the center uh, of. There's a lot of French passionate Canada. fans in Montreal. Hamilton's the center of Canada, and then <laughs> then Montreal, and then Toronto, somewhere down the list. But okay. uh, no, it's 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 awesome. It's like it's like being uh, like a Boston Red Sox in Boston or New York Yankee in New York. It's like um, you know, it's the biggest show in town, and. I mean, the team's been there for 120 years. So, like, th- like those guys have been wearing that jersey for that long. It's it's a cool feeling throwing that jersey on. And then outside the games after, like, when you're driving out, there's, like, just a row of people, like, beside your car waiting for you to come out. It's um, every yeah, night. You're in French yeah. when, you, when you lose. At Tabarnak, at Paris, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pizza. Yeah. Just real pizza, Sherrod. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my best memories in Vancouver is when uh, Juice scored that game five winner and we came out and it the streets were just jam packed and um, you couldn't drive. It took me like an hour and a half to go half a mile and uh, you know it's 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 a lot of fun playing for passionate fans and and like you said, I you know I think any original six team you play for it's it's pretty special. Yeah, and I mean I went through I went through free agency this summer and. That was one of the biggest things was playing somewhere where it, where it matters and and people actually care and kind of hold you accountable because I mean if if you're playing somewhere where no one really gives a shit and and you know there's not the building's half empty like as a player you're not as you're not as invested in it either and you're not going to be as I guess as sharp as you would be if if you got 20,000 people watching and if you screw up you're you're going to hear about it so <laughs> Um, no, we talked was, about that a lot in the summer, didn't we? Because we, you kind of kept me a little bit in the loop with your situation, and I, I think I told you 
play, play, go to the team that really wants you. I think Winnipeg really wanted to keep you, and so did and Montreal. Obviously, really wanted you. Go to a team that really wants you in a place that you want to play. I think you made the yeah. right choice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's worked out great on the ice for me, off the ice. Families, families really happy. Um, yeah, how's Emerson wife, doing? Wife and daughter both uh, are doing well, and. They're home for a long, like we're on the road for nine days, so they were able to drive home, which we were able, never able to do, obviously in Winnipeg. Um, so I get to spend a lot of time with family, which is uh, which is just a bonus of being in Montreal. Okay, buddy. Are well, you going back to Hamilton after uh, after this road trip? Yeah, so we finished this uh, we finished this trip in in Winnipeg. It's going to be my first time back there, so that's going to be weird. And then. Uh, and then fly back to Montreal, team plane, straight over to the other airport, 5.30 flight back home. Um, so just grinding it out for 36 hours at home at Christmas time. But Yeah, that's what we just talked about was, you know, Christmas time really doesn't seem like Christmas time because, yeah, you get, like, like you said, 36 hours, but your mind's still on the games. Your mind's still in training mode. And yeah. you don't get to enjoy it like uh, you used to as a kid. No, no, you're right. You don't get to dust all the chocolate and rice balls like Kevin. <laughs> so when you go back to Winnipeg, you're, let's just say your first time, do you think you're going to get a, a Kessler ovation or a Bexel ovation? <laughs> Team of well, I'm not gonna start. I'm not going to start crying like Kev did when he went back to Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> My feelings were hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Well, when they put you in the ring of honor one day, Cass, it, it'll help. It'll help your feelings recover. Both you guys got to go up in that ring of honor. No, I actually brought that up to uh, one of that media guys. The who's the Sportsnet interviewer for uh, in Vancouver? Murph, Dan Murphy. Yeah, I brought it up to him. I said that, and he's like, "Well, he's like, how many guys can from one team can we put up there?" Because you got, up, you got that's what Murph. That's what Murph said. Because well, you got because you got Burroughs, and then the Sedins are going up, and then the Wongo, and you two guys, Edler, like the list. Like you guys had such a sick team. So I mean, the list could be like half the team of guys in the ring. The Ring of Honor is just the 2010 Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> well, they haven't made the playoffs ever since, and then so Sedins aren't going up. They're getting their jersey retired, so they won't be up there. Lou. Lou, who knows if he's going to go up or not. He's a goalie. Goalies are weird. <laughs> so basically, you could do a slash. You could do a cast-do slash. I was looking at it, and, like, the Alex Burroughs one is, like, literally, like, it's, like, the whole corner. I'm like, why did they make him so big? How are they going to squeeze other guys in there? Like, Burr's face is, like, the size of the net. Like, you can't even get anyone other with other people in there. Juice and I are going together in the same one. That's why Burr gets a one for his own, and Juice and I have to share one. Burr <laughs> slayed the dragon, right? Yeah. We're going to probably wrap it up here. I think this episode is going to be a long one. So everyone's going to have a great holiday, I'm sure. We uh, hoping still to get your buddy Ryan Johansson on for an episode in the upcoming future. I think um, I think it'll be a good episode. It's not going to be a fuck you battle. I'll tell you that right now because I'll make sure it is and I'll be the mediator and make sure that you guys can get along. Right? I think uh, Mariah Carey says it best. All I want for Christmas is Brian Johansson. <laughs> I think you guys would be I think best. we need to talk it out. You'd be best buds if you played on the same team because oh, you're, you're both you're both rats. <laughs>
If if I think Brad Marchant's a good guy off the ice, then Johansson has to be. And you know what? Johansson's he's a good player. You're you were a good player, and you guys had some good battles because you're both good players. Just like your boy Taves, I'm sure you guys would be buddies too. But you guys you battle because yeah. you both want to respect each other, right? Yeah, competitive. So we'll, well, well, I'm I'm sure in the upcoming future we can convince him to come on. Uh, I think Tom Sestito and Brian McGratton are going to come on in the near future and talk about our line brawl we had in Calgary. Back yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, was, just to get back in the Torts era, 2014. Get the inside scoop because those two guys fought each other, but those two guys were those guys were fighting each other no matter what, right? Like those guys yeah. had their own their own game within the game going on. It had nothing to do with anyone else. They're like, you're tough, I'm tough. We're fighting. <laughs> I remember Sestito before that game. Man, I got big earn tonight. I'm like, oh man, I know. Sorry, buddy. He's like, gotta do it. Knuckles are still sore from last night. <laughs> Just two two big mutant mutants. So Kessenjuice.com is gonna have this episode. You're at Ryan underscore Kessler. I'm at K Bexa on Twitter. We're gonna keep this thing rolling because uh I think we're definitely getting better. Is our is our Twitter account up yet at KB or at uh, Kess and Juice? It sure is. Thanks Perfect. for bringing that up. Yeah, go yeah. there too. And I uh, hope everyone has a great holiday, and we'll talk to you just after. Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. See you. See you, Kess. See you, bud. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh.